tonight. Whether you call it football, football, or soccer, a German-American and a German in America dare to call it foosball. German foosball from an American point of view. Let's add some buns to that hamburger and join them for the Schnitzel Boys Deutschland Hour. Hello. Face by itself. Yeah, very good. Very nice. Very nice. Well done. Well done. Nicely done. Nicely done. Good evening. Good evening. I'm on the boards tonight, and I always screw it up. But I thought we'd do that time. I'm on my phone. I am. I'm not at the usual setup, although uh, the background is. You know, it's not. It's not blurry. It's, I have the flowers aren't focused. The plant. Anyway, hello. How are you doing? Looks good. Looks like you're in a greenhouse, ready to grow with information. Information that we have. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm in the best mood. I don't know. My team beat Bayern this weekend. <laughs> That's the big talk of all the games. I guess it's not uh, it's not as big a deal as it used to be. Everybody's doing it these days, but but uh, but it's still it's still still a big deal to us. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, that's the big game all the way. Both and Bayern. Let's get right into it. And, and, and the bigger story. I'm sorry to say, it's Bayern. Like Bayern deteriorated deteriorated fast. Right, like really fast. Like it only took a week for it to be like Thomas Tuchel should be fired. Week we lost the league. You know, like last week we were like, yeah, it's five points. Bayer Leverkusen had a big game, but we assumed that was an isolated incident. Here we are, one week later, a Lazio and a Bochum later, and it's like, what the heck is going on at the whole or institutions burning to the ground? The yeah, I mean, there's the Tuchel, uh, Harry Kane's at his worst. Like everyone's bad now, all of a sudden. Harry Kane, Harry Kane's going to Chelsea. I read today. What? <laughs> what? When? <laughs> this summer? That guy's just addicted to I, not winning titles. I right? mean, that's this was Twitter. I don't think right, I right, don't right. know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't <laughs> think he's leaving today. But uh, I mean, that's just funny that you that that that, that comes up. Well, I mean. Um, well, I mean, they got a little unlucky. It, you know, I hate to. I, you're 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 starting this story from a Bayern perspective, and if I take if I if I would look at it from their point of view, I mean, this was um, this is a game they probably should have won. I mean, it's like they had enough. They certainly had enough chances. Manuel Riemann had a had a had a great game, especially late. Came up with a couple saves. Upamecano is just a he's just a snake bitten kind of guy it's like what do you i mean i think he's a good player but he i don't know what is happening like he gave up another penalty and and was sent off again this keeps mm-hmm. happening to well, him two games in a row and uh well that's um, indicative that's why i'm looking at it from Bayern perspective isn't that indicative to something's going on at Bayern? there's some clues you know we lost to Bayer leverkusen pretty handedly and that was on total we put out some bonkers lineup and benched players and then came Lazio next right Lazio yeah Very I mean sticky. they have they have uh NYCFC t- legend Tati Castellanos to bring off the bench so they're not no I'm slouches yeah but like there's that video I shared on a Schinzel boys account and 
there's that video of Thomas Tuchel just like yelling at his players to like run forward, run, run. And not only did they ignore him, like they, that that meant nothing to the players on the field. Byron mentioned at that moment specifically stopped the ball, slowed it down, turned it around, and passed it back. As if to say, Tuchel, shut up, <laughs> pretty much. And then you see Thomas Tuchel just do this. And he's sitting around. Like, it's clear that the players aren't listening to him. He lost the locker room. And when you lose the locker room, you're done. Which is why, which is why that happened so fast. I'm like, why is he still there? Uh, 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 Jan Christian Driesen, the Bayern CEO, had to get, come out and be like, yeah, I know it's normally we talk about firing a coach, but not him, which isn't the, which isn't the greatest sort of praise. You know, and then, and then, and then, and then it was Bochum over the weekend, and I forgot who was listening to a podcast. Might have even been talking football or one of those podcasts. But like Bochum beat them, and Bochum did not have to be at their best to beat them this weekend. Bochum were just playing a tight counterattacking game the way they do. They're playing freely, and uh, they won. Like if I didn't know any better, they you know they were the better team on the night, right? I mean, you you were, were looking at. I I mean uh, I wouldn't. I, I, I think that would be that would be a stretch. I think um, I think the the xG was like one point five to three point six or something in favor of in favor of Bayern something like that, and that includes a penalty. So it's not like Bochum had that many uh, that many great chances. It there is a sense of paralysis around this Bayern team. Like they definitely got. Uh, especially on the equalizer, just got out muscle like thirty-six-year-old uh, uh, Toto Lozia lets Joshua Kimmich just kind of bounce off of his back um, and and delivers the the picture-perfect assist to Asano. And so there's there's definitely the sense uh, of there's just a lack of oomph around along around this team. The um, and especially in the midfield, I would say. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit, it's a little puzzling. You don't, I mean, and I was not optimistic going in. I mean, this was, this is the kind of game usually, you know, where Bayern is like, like beats up on, on the poor little team because they, they have some, uh, you know, something to make up. So I really, and especially early on, uh, they looked very strong, and that Musiala goal was 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 pretty nice, pretty right. nice finish. And then, and then it was you know they were, I mean we'll get into that later. There's all these uh, interruptions for protests these days, and that really changed everything. The the mm-hmm. the game stopped for ten minutes, and Bochum just came 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 back lively, and Bayern just came back sort of paralyzed. And then yeah, and of course you know confidence. Once your confidence is is low then uh i mean it also happened very quickly the equalizer counterattack, and then the kind of corner corner kick header and then you could just see like things are things are tight things are not flowing for this Bayern team but they also have uh uh in, aside from just confidence they do not have a good midfield i mean that's just the big the big thing i think kimmich got the start this time but did not look great. Goretzka. Yeah. Uh, Goretzka got the assist early, so it looked like, but then he had a pretty poor game after that. But right um, now, everybody for Bayern is in poor shape. Like Upa Meccano, you know, like uh, Harry Kane had his worst game probably against Bochum because he had, he, he had a pretty good chance right at the end to equalize. 
and probably a good yeah. chance to also put him up ahead at some point else. In and, and up until now, he was nailing those, but he uh, he got cold fast because he was out of the picture the last two games. And now here in Bochum, it's the first time he scored the the the. He scored the three. To, he scored right? the three to two. Yeah, he got a he got one. I mean, but well, that's um, but we haven't. But Kane's been uncared, and it's not Kane's fault. Against Bayer Leverkusen, he was playing. I mean, extra he's got. Games. He's had his right. numbers have been incredible early. Right. He's and just playing he's, deeper. He's, he's had a goal. little bit. Yeah, he's had a little bit of. He's he's had a couple of games without scoring. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I mentioned this all year, where Bayern Munich isn't exactly looking as sharp as their numbers will suggest, and it's finally imploded. Uh, how long do you think Tuchel has? When's Tuchel going to go bye bye? Do you think? Well, who are they going to get? I mean, it's a question of Hansi Flick replacements. There's, uh, yeah, I guess I, that's what I heard. They were reaching out to Hansi Flick, then Xabi Alonso. I mean, Xabi Alonso is now on everybody's list, of course. I mean, that'd be pretty lame. I feel like if he left Leverkusen this summer <laughs> to go to Bayern, that would make me that would make me respect Xabi Alonso twenty percent less. But uh, what if he does it this week? <laughs> then uh, that. That can't be. That 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 is not going to happen. But um, hey, never say never. Uh, I guess there's some debate internally whether Hansi Flick still has it when he when he was last there. He was uh, he won the Champions League. If the Hansi but Flick now thing, uh, the Hansi Flick thing is, I think him and Uli Hernandez don't get on, and that's the problem. That that's a problem right there. So well, Hernes it's also in charge, when so. he was at Bayern last time he was very successful, but. He was not as successful as a national team coach where he had like, you know, two thirds of the same players. So um That's Yeah, I don't know. Thing. I don't we I don't I don't know. I think the I think um Yeah, is it the is it the um I mean, what is the problem exactly? Is it the coach? Is it the? Pl- I mean, it's it's the the team doesn't look good. It's not like uh, it's not all. It can't all be Tuchel's fault. Um, and uh, yeah, David here. David Riccio, David Riccio saying he's enjoying the Julian Nagelsmann memes. Yeah, he is Julian Nagelsmann is. I mean, he will. He, he has will, his own problems. He has his he, own he, issues. Yeah, exactly. Right now, think, but uh, it's time for him to be on the spotlight. He should, he's Tuchel gonna might be... start smiling again. So. <laughs> so, he's yeah. He's got his own. He's got his own difficult assignment. It's true. Uh, but for now, I think he's probably happy to not have that job. Yeah, I mean, Jurgen Jurgen Klinsmann is available. He's uh, he got uh, let go from South Korea. Where really. The mystery was not why did he get fired. The mystery was how did he get that? Why did they hire yeah. him to begin with? What the was, Koreans was so... were complaining all year, and, and then they were recommend. And the whole time, it's like, yeah, we know, moron. <laughs> he sucks. We what? know this. <laughs> we thought everybody knew this. Now, now you know this. So welcome. Now you know it too. Um, um, but to defend Klinsman real quick, which I don't want to, but what Klinsman was under a lot of scrutiny. But in the Asian Cup, everyone's talking about Klinsmann and this. And yeah, Korea were laughably bad. It almost looked like they were uncoached. had no real strategic little ideas oh, or anything. Oh, what? But they made Yogi, it to the 70s. I mean, Qatar... Yogi Love, Yogi Love uh, missed the plane. He, <laughs> he missed the plane. It. And he's not picking up the phone, the... even. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, of the traditional Asian teams, correct me if I'm wrong, you think Korea, you think Japan, you think Australia, because they're in that confederation. You think maybe Iran... Right, 
Am I yeah. missing anybody? Of those four teams, who got the furthest? York and Clemson. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, but like they still went out in the semis. I mean, at that point, when they're the only team left, it looked like. Yeah, but where's there, the inquest of Australia? Where's the inquest of I mean, for, Where's the inquest of Japan then? If they did worse than Well, Korea, I think you know Japan I mean? also, I think Japan also faces a lot of, I don't know uh, what happened there if they fired their coach, but they, that was, they were definitely pretty disappointed Long with, their, with the outcome. Klinsmann is available for his next grift. Klinsmann got $8 million for his one year in Korea. He did? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Is just such a good music man style <laughs> grifter. You like just, can't work with every two years he gets eight he million must, he must uh, he must have a way with the PowerPoint or something. He goes into these interviews and like that and they're like, oh my God, this is he must do something. Or maybe he know? just he just shows uh, highlights from his playing from his days. playing days. I don't know. I don't know how well, he the does Korea it. Story goes. He, he razzles he he razzles and dazzles. Well, what happened in Korea, which we learned later, is the head of the KFA is a young German man. He's, like, young. Ah. And, you know, he's, like, 28 or something. And he's the one who hired Klinsmann because he's a hero of his. Simple as that. Well, that's and pretty stupid. If a soccer player does something great once, they can live an entire career off of it. We see that time and time again. Like, Ronaldinho kept getting hired and hired and hired again, even though he was way past his prime. I but he won the any... world footballer once. So, you know, uh, it got him a whole career out of it. Anywho, anywho, Bayern Bochum, Bochum with a good win. I was expecting like a draw, but then when I saw Bayern being so lackluster, I'm like, Bochum I thought, do it, and they did. I thought when they scored the three, three to two with 86, 86 minutes with a lot of stoppage time because of another. Right. Interruption. Uh, I definitely, I definitely thought we're gonna because we've done that. We've done that three times this year in home games. uh, Conceded a stoppage time equalizer with a lead. So I thought deja vu all over again. I was very, it was very stressful. I was very happy uh, to hold on and uh, eleventh, eleventh place, eleventh place, and completely deserved. I mean, I, I, I've said this last week. I think this is a legit. Mid-table team, this Bochum team. This is not. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying we're um, going to Europe or whatever. But like the last couple of years, I really did not have a lot of faith in the roster. And now, and this year, this there's some depth. There's some competition in spots. There's some options offensively and defensively. There's uh, uh, the midfield's very good as long as you know just. Whatever drugs Total Lucia is taking at his advanced age, he's just got to like, got to keep taking them for another Ozempic. Yeah, Ozempic. for another uh, for another little while because he's really instrumental. But um, a very very solid team, and uh, so yeah, this was, that's a purple what? ribbon, man. Print yourself a little purple ribbon out. It's nice. A purple ribbon. Yeah, it's not gold or silver or bronze. But 11th place, it's a oh, little like ribbon, 11th. right? It's a little mauve ribbon. We're, 11th place we're, not, we're, not, we're not expecting a trophy. But you can <laughs> see trophy. how... It's not a trophy, it's can, a ribbon. You can, <laughs> but, but it's you better can, than You can see how, uh, um, you know, the careful the careful budgeting, etc. Now in year three of the Bundesliga, there's, I guess, enough, enough money now to... Uh, 
to to be mid table. So if all goes, if all keeps going well, well, I mean, it looks like, it looks like. Uh, um, I mean, I think we need a couple more wins. Probably two or three more wins will do it in terms of not getting relegated. So, yeah, yeah it's it's only February, baby. You did it. Well done. Yeah, it's 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 uh, uh, yeah, looking pretty, looking very good. So by. To answer your question, it's not just Tuchel. Just like it wasn't Nagelsmann. There's something up with the buying brass. It's a little weird. I think there's a weird environment going on. Yeah, so, I, I mean, mean, I think they have they have they've not signed well. They haven't. Uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, well, I, think I don't the... know if that's super fair. I mean, yeah, a couple of weird ones like Sadio Mane didn't work out. Eric Dyer's a little weird. But Harry Kane and Kim are great signings. They're doing it right. They're just playing poorly. Eric, 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 Eric. Harry Kane and Kim. Daniel, oh, yeah. I, can't, I can never remember his full name. Daniel Min Kim uh-huh. Hin is his name. True. I don't yeah. Say that. But uh, the guy from Napoli, they were great signings. And, and, they're, they're, and they were both in great shape for the first half of the season. So, But they also, I mean, they needed help. They did not have good, right. um, you know, David Alaba left. And yeah, so they, they um, uh, I mean, they were just replacing people i mean it, it's uh, yeah i think the mid the midfield is the the midfield is the issue there especially defensively um but yeah i don't, don't think they Hansi don't they Fleck don't have a really they don't have a really strong defensive midfielder and you know joshua kimmich we've talked about him in the context of the national team where he's like sort of a you know he's one of those high usage players that is not quite good enough considering how much room he takes up you know but the other, and he does not that's, defend. That's, he does I'm defend not buying much. any of this, by the way. That's a mis- that's that's uh, uh that's overstated. Like, are you telling me that Thomas Tuchel and Bayern are burning to the ground because he couldn't get Paulinho from Fulham? Is it simple? Is that why he has? I think that's. Players. I think it's part of it. I think that. it's part. He he doesn't have who's the defensive midfielder? Who do you who's the defensive mid? Who's his number six? I mean, Kimmich is supposed to be his number six. Yeah, he doesn't defend really, and he's not a great. He's not a great passer either. He's not a ball winner. And they have this um, new kid from the academy, Pavlovich, doing it, you know. And, and, and yeah, they're failing a little bit short, but it's Bayern mentioned the Bundesliga. They have so many other pieces to be, to use. Like, he, if he wants to be a great coach for a great club, he needs to figure it out. So, um, I'm just not leaning in. Like, they won the titles without a number six last year and the year before that. So, you know. Well, it's know. pretty it's cool. I mean, they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have won it last year. I mean, they they lost. They, they, they Dortmund lost it. They didn't win it. Dortmund no. lost it. So, yeah. um, and, and who's Dortmund didn't even have a defense last year. So <laughs> you're saying it's just Tuchel? They get another coach and everything's no. I'm not saying it's Tuchel. I'm not saying it's Tuchel. I'm saying there's a bigger issue with the upper staff. But uh, Tuchel's definitely failing right now. He's not great. You know, I never really liked Tuchel, but. I don't want to get into the specifics of Bayern right now. We can save that for another time. You have another. You have something up your sleeve. I have something up my sleeve. We have an exciting guest tonight. A guy I've wanted on for a while. A guy I've been listening to for years about the Bundesliga. I cut a little bit of his intro out to save a little bit of time. So I'm just going to say we have our guest, Ben Herman, who was for many, many years the German Bundesliga correspondent for Deutsche Welle. Uh, he also worked for, I think, uh, uh, in England for BT Sport for a bit. Uh, when they were getting the Bundesliga, and now he is a professor at University of Wisconsin Madison. He he teaches sports uh, business, sports media, I believe sports media, not sports business. 
Uh, Andy, he is a uh, he runs or he's a co-host of the podcast Talking Foosball, which is entering its eleventh mm-hmm. year this year. Amazing, right? Amazing. Anyway, I got him on the pod. He hopped on, and pretty much I wanted to ask an expert, which he is, uh, a deep dive on all this protest stuff because we've talked about it before, but it's heating up. I mean, games are being stopped. We saw the RC cars and Humboldt. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot tennis of, balls a lot and of, um... They're being hurt. And we I'm uh, I'm interested in what he has to say. Yeah. All right. Without further ado, Herman. Uh, I quick. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of our fans probably know you from your from your um, a podcast, Talking Foosball, that you've done for several years now. How long have you guys been doing that now? Um, I believe this is actually uh, this is year eleven for <laughs> Talking Foosball. Oh, where does the time fly? Where does the time mm-hmm. fly? Uh, prior to that, you were a Bundesliga correspondent for Deutsche Welle, the German uh, global news broadcaster, right? And how did that come about? Were you were in Berlin? Were you an American journalist student that w- flew to Berlin to get involved in the in the German sports scene, or, or um, how did that happen exactly? I, if if only the uh, the route had been that direct. No, it was <laughs> it was totally a lot more circuitous than that. I mean, I I studied journalism as a you know as a a master's student. I didn't actually do it until I, th- at that level. Um, and, you know, worked in New York for a few years after finishing. I went to a journalism school there, um, but wasn't really happy. Wasn't really happy with the jobs I was getting. And I was like, ah, I just want to go out into the world and report. So I, well, what, I got this. What kind of games? Sorry journalist... interrupt, but what kind yeah, of games did you get in New York? Um, I mean, they were good. They were, they, but they were like all sort of, pretty low level, like editorial assistant, fact checker, um, applied for some like sort of personal assistant jobs. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, it, it was not a bad, a bad like set of, of things I was doing. I just was getting a little bored, you know, basically. Right. And I wanted to go out and try a little bit more sort of direct reporting. And I ended up going on a journalist exchange fellowship to Germany. And also in the same summer was the, the World Cup in 2006 and had been there previous and seen what a nice place Germany could be, especially when everybody's in a really good mood because of the World Cup. Um, but I was just sort of in a rut in many ways, went to Germany and sort of fell into the sports thing because I started working at Deutsche Welle in the radio and they just needed more folks to be doing uh what we called then the sports report, the creatively titled <laughs> sports report radio show, which is probably the first thing that, that you, you heard if, if, or of me anyway, if you were a DW listener in those days, I was. Um, you know, they just, they wanted more people who were, you know, who understood sports, who loved sports, who um, w- were willing to work on Sundays. Cause that's when the show ran. Um, <laughs> and it just sort of snowballed from there. I mean, I, I was always excited about the Bundesliga uh, and having it as an option because, you know, the age that I am, I grew up principally in, you know, the years when I was in school and in high school were like literally the years when North America didn't even have like a, a division right. one soccer league. Right. Like I was days. in college by the time MLS started. So like, <laughs> I can't say that I had that formative boyhood, um, you know, soccer, um, watching experience you didn't follow uh, so, the charleston battery religiously back in the early 90s <laughs> no no i mean you know i mean i i'm a dc area person originally oh, so you. dc united was the team that i was excited for them to emerge and it was exciting to see them emerge in, in the way that they did uh they were 
pretty good right out of the gate, which was nice. But like I had lived, I had done a year of college in uh, England in the nineties and got into the sort of soccer culture and, you know, watching it pretty much every week on the television or trying to get to the, to, to the stadium. Although I was in Manchester, so tickets for United were incredibly expensive because right. this was like them at the beginning of their like dynasty period. Mm-hmm. And City had just been relegated from the championship down another rung. So they had basically gone from second tier to third tier the year that I was there. And it was just a very depressed fan base. So like I didn't get to go to that many games. <laughs> Let's just say. <laughs> it's just funny you describe Manchester that way. It's so alien to what it is now. I mean, how times have changed, right? Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, ended up at Deutsche Welle, sort of made sports my niche, which I was very happy to do. Um, I mean, I've I've been basically somebody really into soccer and soccer culture for most of my adult life. And getting to live in a place where that's really a big deal and sort of live it not only as a fan, because I did go to tons of games outside of my, you know, journalistic work, but to go and, and report and to go, you know, make make uh, interesting content about uh, about the Windows League. It was, was quite cool. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. So essentially when you were there, that got you into the Bundesliga and Hansa Berlin sort of became your de facto club pretty much because you were based in Berlin, right? Yeah, I mean... I was actually for the first while I was I was based in Bonn, which is where oh, the, okay. the radio yeah. um, was right. was mostly made. But I was already kind of committed to Hertha. I mean, I had been to um, I had been to maybe I don't know three or four games by the time I actually started working at DW in Bonn. And I this was actually Hertha got off to a really fast start. I had seen them play really well. Hmm. Um, I was already inclined to like them because I had you know been on a trip earlier in life to Berlin and had a very good time and had bought myself a totally random souvenir, which I actually just found in a box in my parents' house. It was a winter hat. It was like nice. a, a winter hat, um, a Hertha hat when like, I was just basically like, who's the team around here? Uh, like this one. And at that time it was Hertha. But if you ask that still same is, question, baby. okay, okay. It still say, is, that's baby. my question today that I challenge you. Yeah. If they're the team of Copernic, yeah. They're the team of Copernic. Okay. Right, 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 I'll right. give them that. I'll true, give them true. that. is the team of Jorgen Klinsmann's grandpa, as he professed <laughs> before exactly. he became their exactly. coach for three weeks of their before he yeah. wandered <laughs> off to Schwaben. Before well, let's get into our President's Day topic, which is the fact that there's been these protests going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, we saw last weekend in Hamburg, they had the radio, the RC cars with smoke. Like, there, it, it started with them with signs, then it escalated to coin throwing. And now we've got cars driving around and they are stopping games that are delays for 20, 30, 40 minutes sometimes, pretty much getting their voice heard. They're getting louder and louder and louder. And, you know, I don't, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot. Why don't we give a little rundown of kind of where that came from, a little bit of background. It's, uh, I mean, you probably know more about the specifics than I do, but essentially it's because the German Bundesliga, it wants to be open to foreign investment. Uh, and originally the old plans it was not related to this marketing company. I remember the old plan was related to an infrastructure. I'm looking for injection, right? I think they were going to take this money and one of the stadiums is going to get a newer PA. Other stadiums are going to buy virtual uh, ad boards as opposed to the old school ad boards. That kind of stuff. 
Uh, and then the German team said no to that. So they revised it. And the current proposal that was voted for in September, October, or maybe even November, I don't remember. Uh, it's an 8% stake for a foreign equity firm to, for a billion dollar seed money to start this new marketing arm, which is going to set up for some sort of global digital distribution platform and social media campaign. Whatever the, mm -hmm. whatever the heck that means. <laughs> you know, I'm assuming it's they're trying to ape an Apple TV situation or, or, uh, I'll stop talking. What, what, uh... Yeah, no, I, I, and and I don't think that they're wrong to go after that because, mm -hmm. you know, just from my own experience, and you know, obviously you've had your own experience, and people in any number of other countries have had theirs. But I would say, for the most part, the Bundesliga is not particularly well um, broadcast or marketed um, outside of Germany. Um, you know, I, personally, I've I guess I've experienced three different sort of regimes. One being the the, the bad old days of of goal TV, um, which you know was largely happening. They were they were broadcasting the Bundesliga while I was you know still in Germany. When I would come home, I would I would you know attempt to try and access it through there to little avail. I've experienced the Fox networks um, you know broadcast of of the Bundesliga and now ESPN, and like each one. Obviously, Gold TV just had had the limitation of no one having the channel. Right. Uh, but Fox and ESPN seem to approach the um, the the product somewhat differently. But like when it really came down to it, um, it's you know ESPN has the advantage of playing all the games on the all on their app, and you can sort of pick and choose. And this season, you can get you know the Goal Arena, similar to the Konferenz that you can get in Germany. Um, but like. All the wraparound programming that you might be used to from watching, you know, the NBA on TNT or watching a, a American football on a Sunday, all that wraparound programming that they've offered, you know, I did that a little bit um, in in England when I was I was sort of splitting time between Britain and, and Germany. My wife was teaching there, and when they first started broadcasting on BT Sport in England, they did a lot of wraparound programming. Hence, hence they called up you know d-listers like me they just need to fill those desks um, um c-listers come on now let's let's a little yeah. respect here c-list um and they basically th their interest in in putting any production money or effort into that waned very quickly and it seems that that happened with fox it's happened with with espn espn's doing a bit more this year but it's you know it's like Kay Murray and Ali Moreno, right. like and they, Ali they're Moreno fine. doesn't even. He's I, I love him to death. He's actually the alma mater of my school, but they just grab the guy. He, he has no Bundesliga yeah. experience. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, I mean, got MLS experience. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, obviously, he's he's an experienced broadcaster and he's a player who understands like professional atmospheres. But like, right. I don't think he really. It it seems like he's had a bit of a learning experience over the course of the season with the Bundesliga, mm -hmm. and like my personal preference like his sort of like tough guy curmudgeon act wears thin very very quickly with me <laughs> right. so like i typically don't watch that program but anyway like you can always tell where uh, a broadcaster's priorities lie mm -hmm. when it comes to creating um wraparound content and maybe even creating like pre-prepared content which is you know stuff that you play halftime those little montages about i mean the dfl produces stuff like that and broadcasters right. can choose to take that and some of them do sometimes they want to fill a little bit of time um but ultimately like 
I understand why the DFL wants to create its own like broadcast portal and why it wants to sort of market itself um, somewhat more um, boldly, let's just say, because <laughs> their partner broadcasters sure as hell ain't doing it. Right. And I know that like, at least in the mind of the people who are running the German football league, the whole game is about sort of closing that gap with the premier league. And to a lesser extent, I guess, you know, La Liga, which, you know, I don't know that is making all that much more money than the Bundesliga from overseas rights, but just for linguistic reasons, reasons, mm. similar to the linguistics reasons that make, um, you know, the EPL so popular in the United States, like, you know, people in Latin America are, they are, they tend to consume a lot of La Liga when it comes to non-domestic football. Um, so like Germany feels like it just needs to do something bold and and like some sort of quantum leap needs to happen. And they think that maybe this investor thing is the thing that's going to do that. And I think the fans are first like, they question whether the Bundesliga needs to take this bold step or, you know, make this quantum leap because they kind of like a lot of their, you know, intra-German football culture the way it is. Mm-hmm. And also... And this, I was kind of thinking about this, you know, after you sent me this mail and wanted to talk about this, that like, I feel like the people at the DFL um, see Bayern Munich as the solution, mm-hmm. which is to say, Bayern is the one team that has its shit together, um, brand wise, marketing wise, right. like sort of um, community outreach. And I don't just mean, you know, their own community, but like the whole broader uh, global football fan community I remember, like they understand these yeah I, I remember sorry to interrupt i remember when they opened offices in new york because i was in new york mm-hmm. at the time and yeah. even emailed them to try to work there and yeah. they wrote me back saying our entire staff is going to come from germany <laughs> they weren't hiring any locals i was like yeah well, well, i can dream i guess but they did, uh, they did. I, I know some of the people who are locals my, who work and there. then later my old my roommate <laughs> yeah. my roommate started working for them oh so, who's, uh, who's who's your roommate a guy named Patrick Inferna. I don't know if you know him. He's a marketing. He worked with he worked with Kick TV on YouTube, and he was oh. also a freelance like marketing guy. So I just remember he texted me once that he was on a private jet with Thomas Muller as they were doing the U.S. tour, and he like I was just so jealous. It's just like <laughs> like good for you, bud. Uh, he was doing. I couldn't even describe what he was doing. Social media consultancy, sports, some super fancy that that I, that I can't come here. But anyway, but I, I didn't mean to interrupt. But yeah, Bayern Munich yeah. had offices, and I was talking about earlier. They have on Saturday mornings. They are the club that does have groups around, just Absolutely. like the Prem does. Yeah, yeah. Like basically, I think hmm, the DFL seems to the way that I'm framing it is like they think of Bayern as the solution. They think Bayern are the one team who's sort of operating in this like the big pond, as it were. Like they're the right. one who can can sort of sell themselves globally. They're the ones who can attract top players. They're the ones who are sort of, you know, they expect to be in the last eight or even four of the Champions League every year. Whether or not mm-hmm. they do it is another matter. Um, and I think for a lot of German football fans, and I mean, I might even, can, you know, sort of include myself in this situation. Um, I think Bayern's the problem. They're not the they're not the solution. Like the solution is not to sort of pump up the league and get global business savvy. Uh, the solution is to retrench and to like look inward, look at the um, sort of on-site fan experience and the sort of um, like 
genuine local community ties and like really hold fast to that stuff and maintain that and put it to the, the forefront. And like, it's a really tough thing. Cause like, I understand that that people who are trying to, you know, run the professional arms of these clubs and, you know, we know all about 50 plus one and the way that German clubs have to be officially controlled by their members and all that stuff. Leave that to one side. These are, these are commercial businesses. And when you're a commercial business who has ambition globally, like, of course you want to, you want to be pumped up and do your best and have your own, you know, broadcast portal and you, this sort of social interaction integration and, and like, pie in the sky you want to play with the big boys but like ultimately a lot of fans in germany especially the ultras who are leading this protest they don't want that at all right they don't care about it like it's it's a fringe benefit for them they just want to go to the football pay a very reasonable price for the experience and you know experience that one beer yeah get in the stadium sing for 90 minutes go home and that's church for them a genuine collective experience right which they do great by the way like i was there in october and it's funny these clubs are bigger and the stadiums are bigger but it's definitely less frills than an mls game you know i'm at lafc and you have your app and you have your million different food trucks and you got the korean tacos over there the nachos Mm -hmm. over there you got will ferrell with a bird on the field you know mls you know it's a blast and then you go to nirnberg where i went to max morlock stadion ancient mm-hmm. stadium running track uh it's just a bunch of plastic old school plastic they don't even fold up they're just the plastic seats or the sit on so and you get in there they have a food truck outside just beer just forced that's it and it's much simpler and mm-hmm. my experience in Bayern was very similar i went to Allianz arena to watch a game same thing you get vice bratwurst or rot bratwurst right so you get options mm-hmm. Paulana, which is a sponsor beer, so you get Paulana. And that's really it. And then you go and you watch. It's an amazing time. I'm not saying it isn't. But as far as like frills go, American, because I went to SoFi to watch the College Bowl, and it's just night and day. The American, the fan experience here in the States, it's frills full. And a place like Germany, it's a little more old school, it's a little more lower frills. But you're saying that that the 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 the, the, the a part of this new maybe marketing arm is to also address that kind of stuff as well, make it a little more hip in the stadium. You know, and, and hmm, this is the part about the protests that I think is a little bit unclear or a little bit muddled. Let's just say, like the thing that really precipitated it. You you brought it up at the beginning of this of this segment. Like it's about this investor. Um, you know whether the investor is going to buy in to the DFL or not. That was the thing that sort of brought this protest wave on. But like, this is a, this is a tension that had been sort of brewing in German football for ages. And like, it's not entirely clear what aspects of perceived changes these fans have the most problem. Do they have the most problem with like, maybe, you know, the, the, the broadcast style being changed with uh, the, the the in-stadium fan experience being different? Do they think that you're going to have a situation like you do in, in Spain where like there are no concurrent games and the entire mm-hmm. match day is just like, you know, taking place mm-hmm. one after the other to give more broadcast windows? Are they concerned that the ticket prices are going to go up? Are they concerned with a combination of all of these things or some, but not others? Like it's, it's a much more inchoate, like sort of right. somewhat, I don't it's like this. I don't know when it comes to like people who are doing 
protests. Like, you know, you should have demands, specific demands that can right. be, you know, either achieved or not achieved. I don't necessarily think that they're that they've done a great job of that. I mean, right. it seems to me that a lot of them, the, like the demand that they want is vote no on investors, which right. you know that's kind of already passed us by. They're hoping to get another vote going. Um, well, on that, not, on that, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. There's a bigger issue too of distrust between the club members and the establishment, right? Because specifically, yeah, because right now we're getting quotes from Vatska and so forth, where they'll be like, they have, they'll have no influence, kind influence, no influence. And fans are like, BS, they're 8% owners, they get rights, right? An equity firm will get rights to that. And it leads to stuff you're talking about. And then if you want to get more specific, there's that Hanover 96 situation where the club members voted no, but then Martin Kim, the CEO, because of his own interests, went to the board and said, oh, we said yes, actually. And the fans, if that's true, what else is true? So if other clubs are like, well, hold on, like how accurate was this vote of ours that we had at the end of the last quarter of last year? You know, it seems there's definitely a trust between the fans and the establishment that this is also brewing a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And even the fact that these votes, um, I mean, basically it was just incumbent on a bunch of journalists to ask, how did you vote? How did you vote? How did you vote to everybody? <laughs> right, that's the transparency. And they, 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 they yeah. told them, and we assume that they told them rightly. Um, like, can someone explain why this most public of of sports and most public of like areas of commercial business <laughs> why they're having secret ballots here right right like, should it not just be <laughs> you know an open vote right and then you know we don't have to sort of get into this skullduggery aspect um but yeah i i, I think there's definitely been a sense that like the dfl has been talking past the fans for a very long time. And I think, um, I don't know. I, I was listening to, um, a good, good German language podcast, Rasenfunk, um, mm -hmm. which, um, you know, the host was basically trying to, you know, talk his way through these issues as well. And I think his, his main take, um, was that this is a, a longstanding frustration among fans that like, they don't think that the Bundesliga is actually presenting, a good product I was mm. presenting a product that that like um excites people i mean excites people yes people still go yes people still want to be with their friends their fellow fans um yes people have like a specific club that like they are committed to but like something has sort of broken down when it comes to like the the, the entire system in terms of both like one team has won the league 11 years in a row that is a terrible, terrible thing right. for a league. Mm -hmm. Like you're you're getting into you know real bush league territory with mm -hmm. that. Um, and also, there's a lot of teams that people don't want to see in the league. I don't. He didn't. You know, this was not you know coming from Rosenfunk, but I think that there's there's something to this. You know, sometimes I look at the league, especially now that my team, Hertha, is not in the league anymore. There's just a lot of teams that I don't really particularly want to watch, you know, yeah. either because they're, you know, quote unquote, smaller clubs that don't have a lot of tradition or like um, history or because they are, you know, frankly, from 
small towns that don't really ring anybody's bell, like Hoffenheim or Heidenheim or Zinsheim, for that right. matter. Like, right. you know, when you see Augsburg versus Heidenheim on the list of fixtures, and you're not like a real sicko. Right, right, right. You don't right. want to watch that. Right, for you a neutral, don't. it's not a neutral's yeah. paradise. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know the aspect of that coming from an American point of view is what clubs do Americans play for. So you want to, you know, you mm-hmm. want to chime in. But the minute they're gone, we have, like I said, we have a big presence in the air division now. I really don't mm-hmm. care a lot about I have nothing against the air division. I wish them the best. But the only reason I'm really into AZ Akmar right now is because of Taylor Booth or whatever. Who does he play for? Well, anyway, I'm watching a lot of PSV because we have the three Americans there. And, you know, I'd, I'd watch Hercules because Luca de la Torre was there. So when I think of in Germany, you know, I, I, I plug into, I would plug in, like I'd, I'd watch Fortuna Dusseldorf games to see how Zach Stefan was doing a couple of years ago. That kind mm-hmm. of, yeah. If that would be my main interest. And once, but oh, and with Augsburg, I really wanted to follow Ricardo Pepe for six months, which ended up being a little bit of a disaster for him, unfortunately. Uh, and for everybody involved. Uh, yeah. But again, he's found his footing in Holland. Good for him and whatnot. But that's where, may, may, like, overseas perspective, that's probably where the interest lies is following your countrymen, you know. Whereas in England, there's legit Crystal Palace fans who've never been to England yeah. in their life. You know, they really care about the club, you know, and it's like uh, they they pulled that off somehow. I mean, and that's that's where the Bundesliga wants to get. I mean, I think, yes, maybe let's let's take another – couple of clubs as an example like you know fulham has this long history with american players um or everton has had a couple of american players who have who have been Mm -hmm. sort of impactful there those clubs ultimately might have sort of seeded the ground with those players but you know they're probably at this point whatever american fans they have for the most part are just legacy fans uh and that's they're they maybe they're going to be fans for life at least in some small way or but ultimately, I feel like you want to get to the point where it's not dependent on players. Or, right. um, you know, you look at some of these these clubs that have very large American followings. Many of them have never had a significant American player, right. and it's just it's just the 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 <laughs> the romance of the of the great brand of Arsenal mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they just you know I mean I was I was I was around for Gold TV I was around for Fox Sports World I think it really started with Fox Sports World when it comes to England they did such a good job they just did the marketing guys because when I was coming up watching soccer back in my old days the nineties yeah. Serie A was king it was all about the Serie A right the best players went to Italy and I grew up in Latin America we talked about overseas so it was yeah. all Barcelona Real it was all La Liga Serie A and the local league. They get started on locally, and the Serie A shot themselves in the foot with the with the scandals they've had and whatnot a little bit. And the Serie A is, I guess, still playing a little catch up. Um, and La Liga has another team that keeps the other team honest. Now, granted, those days might be numbered with what's going on in Barcelona, unfortunately. But where Bayern Munich is a one, there aren't significant Americans in those major clubs really, and it's been a one horse race for a while. And it's like, who wants to watch a one horse race, right? Yeah, uh, and uh, there's and also they, something. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say they pitched ideas before. Uh, uh, they had a new DFL CEO a year or two ago who pitched 
the playoffs, remember, and like stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. And if they're if they're if they're saying no to Monday games because another remember two years ago they added Monday games mm-hmm. those global yeah. rights, the fans are like, no, no, no. We work Mondays. There's no Monday games, so they get rid of them. And like you know, if, if they say no to that, they're definitely going to say no to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and stuff and like that. I feel like playoffs. People they've they've come into place in a number of smaller leagues, but I just right. it's it's the, the force of inertia is really hard to combat. I mean, I don't know that this is at the forefront of everybody's mind, but I really think it should be. I think, other than the advantage that the Premier League has had with it's it's you know the the language in which it's based, which is you know a hugely influential language globally. Mm-hmm. Um, they have actually, despite that the fact that there's plenty of fractiousness and conflict within the Premier League about all kinds of issues, they started on the basis of giving teams equal footing when it comes to you know revenue sharing and television rights deals, et cetera. They didn't dick around by saying like, you know, Manchester United and Liverpool and, and, you know, I don't know exactly which, which teams had this most juice in the early nineties when they were negotiating this, but mm-hmm. they didn't say, no, we need to have more. We need, you need to give us more money than you give to Bolton or you give to Blackburn or, you know, to name another team that's no good anymore, but was good then. <laughs> um, the Bundesliga and all, almost all these other leagues, I mean, Syria, ah, like, barely even had a collective television contract at that time. La Liga, I don't know if they, they've they completely sorted that out or if, if they're still partly independent. I mean, Bayern basically has the league in a stranglehold. Um, you know, it's it, if you're on top, you want to stay on top. I get it. But the league is not going to sort of mature as a competition and mature as a long-term international television product until it can put more teams on an equal footing than they have now. Um, and it's not going to happen overnight. <laughs> There's going to be a bunch of dumb people doing dumb stuff because <laughs> there mm. always is. Right. But like if they would just start from the standpoint of, okay, we are legit in this together. We are sharing this 18 ways. Every, all the money that comes in, we share equally 18 ways. Right. Um, that might be a way <laughs> to move in the right direction, but you know, it's not just Bayern. It's going to be a bunch of other Traditionsvereine who are like, right. you know, it's going to say we're, we're Vader Bremen. Why should yeah. we, why shouldn't we get more money than Heidenheim? It's yeah. like, actually, eh. I mean, it, that's another thing, especially with what's going on at Bayern with Uli Hernes. There is a little bit of a, and this is a German thing. There's a little bit of an old boys club involved and a mafia involved. Right. And early Hernes, I mean, I'm learning more and more how much power that guy just wields. I mean, he is just a Machiavelli <laughs> strategist, and he's like doing, you know, more power to him. But like, uh, there's that kind of stuff. But let me, because I know you got to run in a bit. Let me just boil down a few questions. So I, I think this new global platform, whatever it is specifically, let's pretend it's like I was in Munich in October. I was staying with someone who loves American baseball. How does he watch baseball? MLB.tv, the app. It's a global app. It's got all the games. It's how you watch baseball. He had the American broadcast. He had the Fox broadcast, whoever's the sub subcontractor for the broadcast, watching it live HD, right? Is that what this new Bundesliga global platform is kind of trying to be? Is it trying to be like a global TV package for everybody with German content? Um, I, th- I think that that is an option on the right. table. I don't – I mean – 
another thing that that has always been very difficult um, with the, the sort of soccer television landscape is like not only do they like try and sell a different package to every single country, a different host broadcaster, or partner broadcaster, but they'll even like sell, you know, highlights rights. Right. Like, you know why? Like that's why posting Bundesliga clips on Twitter can like get you put into Alcatraz. I, or, I, like, I, I, I got a strike. You know what my funniest strike was? I was yeah. complaining about the ESPN broadcast, of which I've got plenty of yeah. complaints, but apparently we're spoiled. Because in Canada, yeah. they, don't, they don't even show half the games, even though it's yeah. the zone. Yeah, in Britain as broadcast. well. Yeah, in Britain, but, they bar- barely put any games on. But I was showing, the squ- it was like squigglies. You know you know how when the satellite interrupts, a bunch of green boxes everywhere? For, it was like that for like five minutes. I put a picture of the green boxes right on my TV, and I was like, look at this, Bundesliga. And then the Bundesliga removed it because I was sharing Bundesliga content with <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wasn't supposed to be sharing. It's like, well, you even struck me after I an unrecognizable screen. You knew exactly what it was, and you struck me. Yeah, and it's it's very strange because, like, you know, yeah, let people watch the highlights, let, right? What's ex- the deal? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and because they they want to make a few bucks by selling the highlights to you know the Sportschau, to right. Sky in Germany, to you know. Um, I think on in Germany on the internet, at least for a while, I don't know if this is still true. Like the the Bildzeitung newspaper had like exclusive rights to Bundesliga highlights for twenty four <laughs> or forty eight hours or something like right, that. Right, Like they they have all these like separate windows and separate territories yeah. and separate like. I I think it would take a big big sea change in like philosophy for them to understand that like. You just actually need to take the take the blinders off, take the the leash off, and be like, "We are we are the place. We are owning our own content. We are, this is the portal. You you can get it here. You can post it elsewhere as long as you're sending people back to this platform." Right. I think that there's a lot of a lot of German minds are going to need to be blown before that's going <laughs> to happen. I would love it for it to happen, but you know. Which sort of leads to my next question, right? I guess my big question is. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you're probably closest to me. Up until the late 90s, the Bundesliga clubs were considered nonprofits, right? And then in 2000, they, they invented the Deutsches Fußballliga, the DFL, which is sort of the for-profit marketing arm of the Bundesliga, right, if I'm not mistaken? Maybe even German soccer at large, maybe even the DFP. That's the two, the top two divisions, first, right. and, first and second Bundesliga. First and second, so it was like Eins five. So now I ask myself, they are the marketing arm. What's all this seed money needed? Can't the marketing arm just just be like, all right, new strategy? For, you know what I mean? Like, what's what's the dependency on this foreign investment? Can't the the already established marketing arm of the leagues can't they just make these changes from the money that they already have from within themselves? You understand what I'm saying? Like, what I, is the need for this foreign a billion dollar injection for this? Um. In part because it's a it's a scale thing. I mean, I think some of the projects that they um, want to launch, if in fact they do get around to launching this sort of you know three hundred sixty degree everything, all 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 highlights games. Are all the games going to be all the time. VR where I can just do this? That would be amazing. I'd, <laughs> right. I'd sign up for that. You're, right you're, away. It's Thomas Miller's going to wear a backpack <laughs> yeah. with a GoPro. Yeah, um, GoPro. I'll be sold. Sold. Sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> no, I, I think I think part of it is just that the project that they they expect to um, 
launch might be very expensive and they would need money for them. I think part of it is a sort of a, a know-how thing. I mean, the people who work at the DFL in, in marketing and in content creation, like they're good, they do good work, but there is more know-how and more stuff out in the world than, than they can encompass. And I feel like bringing in outside ideas and outside scale makes sense. And I think it also has a little bit to do with just, you know, connections. I mean, sometimes when these, these like outside um, either marketing companies or private equity or, um, you know, the, the people who often, very often like an event will sell its rights to a, a sort of a broker who then sells to broadcasters and sells to mm. commercial partners. Some of it is about connections. Some of the, right. I think that they just want to hire people who can get them in the rooms that they want to be in with various global brands and global broadcasters to actually put some more um, heft behind their product, which they, I think, have struggled to do on their own. And it's boiled down to, I think I heard reports a few months ago of there being eight different firms, a lot of from New York, competing. But the protests of work, I know Blackstone pulled out. And it seems to be there's only one firm left, CVC, the Luxembourg firm. I mean, I'm not behind the scenes. Maybe there's mm. more going on than I realize. And if I'm not mistaken, CVC has a huge stake in La Liga already, right? Are they the firm that's invested in La Liga? Or maybe I'm mistaking that. But uh, I think in their portfolio is they already have Fußball in their portfolio. And I guess the concern is if they get an 8% stake in the Bundesliga, the whole point of an equity firm is they slash, don't they? Don't they slash, 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 try to raise the equitable value of their property so they can sell it off later? Isn't sort of that the whole idea? Um. It certainly has been in many firms' experience. Um, I, I, I would hesitate to necessarily commit them to any one philosophy. I do think it is it is interesting that CVC, and you're right, they are the, the, the company that made a very similar investment into La Liga. And I think if we see how much more play <laughs> La Liga seems to get on ESPN than Bundesliga does, you know, maybe they're they getting do, into they do. The, they're they getting do. in the right yeah. rooms. Right, right, right. They're they the do. ones who, who created the, <laughs> the 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 fan experience place or whatever in, in New York City. Mm. Bundesliga would love to have that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, the other thing that I see, and this this sort of spills over into some of the, the, the talk that we had about Super League a few years ago when that fizzled out. Mm. Um, I was always puzzled by the inclusion of English teams in the Super League. You know, and, and their fans, to their credit, were the ones who sort of kicked and screamed uh, the mm -hmm. most and, and got the, the the project killed. Of course, German clubs didn't show any interest. In right. They didn't even also, yeah. also to their credit. Right, right. Um, but the way I see European football shaking out, like the EPL is already the Super League. Mm. And every other league is trying to do everything they can to counter that power. Um, and I, you know, obviously like CBC is not going to create the, the, the pan Hispano German super league, but like, you know, it's not a bad if, idea. No, no, it's not. The I would love idea. that. I would love, I would love for Bayern Munich to be in the same league with Barcelona and Real Madrid. Sure. sure. I mean, yeah. it, it, and you know, I think there will be changes to, mm. you know, to European football over the next couple of generations. Mm. It's always been that way. Right. Um, but like, if I 
would have to guess. I would think that like it's going to be the rest of the continent doing something in opposition or separate from England because England, <laughs> they've already got their Super League. They've already right. got they've already got every single box ticked that all the other yeah. clubs and leagues are looking to tick. And they, Leicester won it, so it's like in addition mm-hmm. to everybody being a Super Club, the smaller club won the title. In addition to that, so it's, it's like they title. got they, they got their cake and they're eating it too. So, but granted. <laughs> All of football, including England, is being monopolized by the have and have not. Right now in England, despite everyone talking about different clubs, it's Manchester City. Man City all day, every day. They're winning every season. They're and, and in Spain, it's Real Madrid, you know, and France it's PSG, and Germany it's mm-hmm. Bayern München. They're, they're just for whatever reason, one club is starting to take all the resources in a lot of different s- scenarios and situations, you know. So yeah, it's interesting to see. Just you're right. But to me, that means change needs to be is a foot um somewhere in in an equal distribution of, of sharing uh, uh uh revenues or whatever needs to happen there just is this interesting situation of one have and all the other have not trying to get in there and getting creative and doing their thing you know like we're seeing with Leverkusen, honestly which are an absolute godsend aren't they imagine if there was imagine if Bayern munich were running away with it again this season the kind of conversations that we'd be having you know I think Bayer Leverkusen are doing a good job keeping the Bundesliga honest right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it also shows. I mean, I, there's been plenty of people who have done empirical studies about you know how much you pay players, how big your budget is, right, versus how many points you get per game. It's, it correlates pretty closely, but like, um, it doesn't correlate a hundred percent, and it doesn't account for either especially good performances from you know players coaches you know uh squad planners or particularly poor performances from players coaches squad planners i mean i personally think like you know certainly in terms of points and and expected goals and all that stuff like Bayern are not that bad this year right but Leverkusen are just better they're excellent yeah (laughs) they're spectacular they're the the talk of the town and shabby alonzo is the is the song of the summer isn't he yeah, it's uh, almost a bummer that they're not in the Champions League this year. Yeah, because <laughs> they they might win it. <laughs> yeah, they they're 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 the, they're the German Invincibles. We got Invincibles take two right now. Um, but so I I know I don't want to take up any more of your time. But like uh, so, I guess the only follow up I have is as a Hertha BSC supporter, you guys were recently invested by Seven 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 Partners, right? And Seven 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 Partners, which is a New York based equity firm, I believe. They were, or maybe not New York based, but they're Miami. My oh, Miami. Okay, and but, everything that represents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, even better. Uh, but um, they were also up for the Bundesliga investment. I think they were on that short list or something. I know it's only been a few months, but what can you tell me about the seven 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 partnership with Hata? Has it? Have you already seen some results or? Is it you have to wait a little bit before you see what that what that means? Um, because Hanta was close to losing their license, right? It was kind of a it was like a last minute they came in as angels and sort of saved the club. Yeah, I mean, basically, this is in the grand scheme of things, this is actually the third different investor Mm. that has had a significant stake in in Hanta. I mean, the first one, KKR, which is a New York, um, you know, private equity firm. They only were in for about four or five years before Hertha basically bought their shares back from them 
in order to then sell them to Lars Vindhorst. Yeah, the of, Lars Vindhorst thing, which ended up kind of also being a little bit of a fraud. Yeah, and that, like, KKR, kind of a neutral deal. Like, they, they you know, Hertha didn't lose any money on that, and KKR mm-hmm. didn't seem to make too many onerous demands. Vindhorst was a disaster. That was right. a bunch of money coming in very quickly and spent very foolishly. Mm-hmm. And so foolishly, in fact, that that combined with, you know, certain after effects of the pandemic, but yeah, Hector was in some trouble. Um, they would have been in even more trouble if Vintors hadn't been there during the pand- pandemic, but like <laughs> the finances were in a bad, bad state. And 777 came in and, and you know, bought the shares pretty much off of Vintors instead of mm-hmm. from Hertha. Um, so Hertha tried to sort of present itself as having a big say in that particular deal, but really they were kind of like... Um, we're just happy to be rid of Las Ventorist. And I'm not sure if that attitude will hold um, if if Hertha don't sort of see a more sustainable turnaround in results. I mean, I, I think 777 is a pretty dodgy operator. Mm. They seem to be involved in some pretty dodgy stuff, including, you know, weird structured payments stuff that sometimes people have have taken them to court as being you know, fraudulent. And, you know, they, they have, you know, not had a good, you know, sort of financial performance in recent years. So I worry, you know, I mean, they, mm. it hasn't really brought about much of anything other than hair to keeping its license. So in that mm. respect, hurrah. Right. But like, <laughs> I, I think, I think long-term um, they need to think about an exit strategy from 777 because mm. it doesn't seem like a, a, a stable, sustainable business that's, you know, gonna be gonna be great for them. Yeah, and you see you see with Schalke the, the troubles they're in and they, they you know beggars can't be choosers. I think Schalke needs any angel they can get their hands on as well. And also mm-hmm. leads to the fact that once upon a time the Bundesliga lauded itself on its financial stability. And for the most part that's still okay. I mean COVID didn't help anybody. Obviously COVID was a hit for everybody. But you know it's not as financially stable as it once was, you know, between you know, the Bundesliga gets a big criticism of being a farm league. And a club like Borussia Dortmund is supposed to be the Burger King to Bayern Munich's McDonald's, right? But their bottom line is clear. They need to make money off player sales. That's what they do. I mean, if winning the title happens, they're not against that. <laughs> they're fine mm-hmm. with it. But they will not make any financial risks in order to win titles. Avatska has been very clear on that. And and more power to them because they almost went a business and they have philosophies of where, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if, if all the clubs are just focusing on their bottom line, Bayern Munich is the only club left who can actually spend money to win titles. They're like, we have money. We're going to buy We're gonna buy Kim and we're going to buy Musrawi and we're going to buy Harry Kane. We need to win. You know, no other German club can do that right now. Uh, uh, they have to be very creative. So, yeah, you they're know, playing a different game. Yeah. So last but so all are you thumbs up for the investment? You think you're excited about it? Are you more on the German fans where it's like, yeah, the football, let's keep it the way it is. If if you had to use personally, if you had to put your name name in the hat. Um, I, I would say I would say I'm mostly with the fans. Um I, I you know, there are certain steps that I would love to see the Bundesliga take when it comes to sort of interfacing with uh foreign fans because I am one these right, days. Right, I would too, love yeah. to have. I would love to have you know a, a better marketed, better presented um, Bundesliga, but depending on what might need to be sacrificed to make that happen, um, 
I can't say that I, I, I think it's worth it. I mean, I, I think, you know, German football, the way that it's sort of set up as a sort of a community asset rather than a pure commercial business is, is a great thing. I wish right. we had much more of it in professional sports rather than less, even if that meant that, you know, we wouldn't have as many teams in the champions league or wouldn't it's, it's just, it's a tension when you have a league with, you know, one club playing in a completely different uh, poker game right. than the rest. It's, right. it, it doesn't work all that well and right. it's beginning to break down. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just crazy. How are we going to fix it? How are we going to fix this, Mr. Herman? How? But, uh, you know, as long as we're there every Saturday watching with our voice and our beer, I guess things could be worse. You know what I mean? So, all right. Thanks for coming on, bud. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, no, happy to be here. Anything to plug? Uh, you want to plug the podcast or, or anything? Of course. Do? Yeah. Talking foosball. You know, we, we, we have shows out every week. Uh, these days, the format is uh, we have a, a second division and lower leagues pod right. uh, one week. And then this, the following week, we talk about uh, the Asta Bundesliga. Um, we also have a great Patreon with old historical content, really, really cool stuff for folks who want to sort of go back, go back in the years. But um, yeah, we've been doing it a long time. Hopefully, hopefully we'll have the energy and money and time to keep doing it for a while yet. Well, when this new digital global super platform comes on, that's where we're all moving, right? And they need English language Bundesliga content. So let's get on that app. <laughs> And there you have it. That's our interview with Mr. Matt Herman of the Talking Football Podcast and formerly of Deutsche Welle. It was a little long. I apologize, but he had so much good stuff to say. I didn't want to cut any of it out. Yeah, very uh, great. Very good. Yeah, Bjorn, your thoughts? What do you think? Yeah, I thought, uh, I mean, I'm glad uh, that we agree on how we feel about uh, Alejandro Moreno's uh, ESPN <laughs> contributions. <laughs> Hundred percent. In, in defense of ESPN, the Archie Rintov, like the live on-field interviews that they do, is pretty cool. That's nice. Yeah, and I think they have. I think some of the commentary uh, is good. You know, we get to we get to make fun of Derek Ray every once in a while. It's all good. <laughs> and uh, um, but yeah, the studio stuff is pretty forgettable. I agree. I agree with him. I liked his. I enjoyed his. Um, uh, his perspective, you know, like I, cause it seems like it's, un, it's not so clear what the fans actually want, but it's just like you were saying, it's, it's, there's just a general sort of lack of trust or just a skepticism as to what these people are up to. And uh, I think that's fair. I think this, um, you know, these ambitions of being a global, global power or global, more, more of a global brand that always comes out of the, can come into cost. I mean, in the case of the Premier League, it's, it's gone well, uh, but it's not clear that the Bundesliga has that, has those same options. And if it's just a matter of more investment. So yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see, but that very interesting. Enjoyed, enjoyed listening to it. The one thing I guess I don't think about too much is he mentioned that the distribution of TV money is, is a is, is uneven. It's, I mean, it's probably yeah. fair right now. Like Bayern Munich well, probably gets most of it because I they get also, the most views. Uh, it's also results based. It's like you get more the higher you finish in the table. Like there's more, yeah. But remind me, Bjorn, where was Karl Marx from again? Karl Marx, which country? <laughs> Germany. That's what, right, uh... Germany. You don't say. 
So if I, I remember Union Berlin had posters out where I think they were asking for TV money just to be cut 18 ways. And it's a very right. Karl Marxian <laughs> sort of approach to that. Well, I mean, I think we've talked about this before. This is the irony, right? Like where in, in America, uh, uh, which is a, a, a completely capitalist country, the sports are very socialist. <laughs> and right. in... Uh, I, and in Germany, Europe, maybe other in way Europe, around. it's the other way around. Yeah, the the um, so yeah, I think there is, and and the grass is always always greener, you know, everywhere else. Here in the U.S., we say, oh, you want, we want pro rel, uh, uh, we want it to be more like Europe, and then in Europe, you know, people are looking for ways to make it more like the U.S. Have have a more, you know, have a, have a super league, have guaranteed spots, and and so. I think they're really uh, it's it's a, it's a complex thing, and you 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 two did a good job uh, not uh, not simplifying it because it's it's a it's a it's a complex. You can understand. I mean, even like Matt was saying, you can understand these ambitions. The Premier League is running away uh, uh, with with budgets that are multiples of any other any other league, and so. People are trying to keep up. At the same time, the fans are like, "Well, you're not, you know, we're not interested in that. We're just interested in our in our uh, experience, our local team." Mm -hmm. So it'll be an interesting. It'll it'll continue to be an interesting. Um, and I don't. I mean, it's also like you know, give somebody a billion dollars. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah it'll, I, it'll I'll, be the other unknown. Is I asked him, I'm like, so what is that? Like, what are they gonna do with? Well, yeah. well, and I mean, it's it's also you know you see this with you see this with MLS and Apple TV. I mean, MLS is in a way in an easier situation because they just they they don't have anything to lose in some ways. Like the TV but money, they didn't is have so, a billion dollars. They had so not, TV network right. but they didn't. They no, didn't the, the, receive money for the that. The point the point that I'm right. making it's like right. the Bundesliga has income, right? Like they right. do have media. So if they if they would say oh we're going to do away with it we're just going to distribute our own content via some kind of you know that's also then where's the money going to come from they have to they'll have to say the they'll have to uh, uh, sell the subscriptions or the advertising or whatever it is Ali Moreno from their own they have to pay and he ain't he ain't cheap man <laughs> so. Uh, so it's not it's a it's 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 interesting and plus also what i was going to say also now you know it's become just a a game of of fan bases one upping each other right with these protests how, how they can disrupt the game yeah it's not yeah. Uh, it's not so much like oh we have issues we want to be heard it's like oh we got a toy car Get the hot air balloons on in. Come on. Yes, I mean, this should be the way I would do is have an army of hot air balloons just drop in around the twenty third <laughs> minute, just like covering the field. I'd be like, watch out. I mean, even even aside from uh, any kind of protests or any kind of issue, but you know, when I was at the Leverkusen game, the Bochum fans just kind of set off a bunch of smoke. Right. Uh, uh, um, what are what are those called? The like Bengali flares. The yeah, the flare or yeah, something. And basically, the game had to stop for a couple of minutes because there was a smoke cloud. This was just to, you know, just to show their their visiting fan muscle. This right. wasn't tied to any protests or issues, or you know, the fans also just like to assert themselves. 
but that but that's uh, also part of the bigger issue here of the domestic fan versus the international TV fan, right? Right. The international TV fan wants their TV show, but domestic fan doesn't watch the game. They just want to get their flares out. Right. <laughs> just put their smoke up. Yeah, I mean that's. You know. But there's. Yeah, but this is this is all of sports, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to go to a game. You want to watch the thing. You want to have some beers. Maybe let off some steam. Behave poorly, perhaps a little you know it's, i mean there's lots of uh and that's all that's all uh that's all part of it the other thing i was going to say is you know we kind of poo poo those um those international ambitions a little bit and you're like what do they think you know what do they think is going to happen with the bundesliga but on the flip side you have to say if you had told me like uh uh i don't know 10 years ago that the premier league was going to have fan fests and people in kansas and all it would come in full kit crystal palace right. outfits and be like i'm a diehard fan mm-hmm. of this team that i that is like thousand miles away like it can be done and right. and uh, and there is you know and there is a tension there of course between the i mean obviously the locals are like who are these people but at the same time I mean, it's a thing. There's a lot of potential. Ted Lasso, right? There's a potential. There's a lot of potential yeah. out there, and so, so I guess we'll just have to see how this I all mean, shakes it, out. It culminated to Ted Lasso. The TV show is Ted Lasso about American and British cultures combining over football, soccer, mm-hmm. and it just got so popular that they made America's number one TV show on it for a couple of seasons. You know, yeah. I mean? So yeah, I mean, England has been just crushing it. And the 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 prem has just been going from strength to strength every season, just making themselves a thing here. And the other leagues can't help but be like, especially like La Liga, they're just like, what? How do we do that? You know. So they're yeah. trying to figure it out. Trying to figure it out. Um, anywho, we're at right. twenty. Interview's a little long, but we'll, we'll make the we'll make our MLS preview very quick. No. <laughs> we'll probably we'll probably. All right, everybody. <laughs> uh, we are. This is me, right? We are saying goodbye to the Germany hour, but we're hopping over to the USA hour, the other room. Come join. We're talking MLS, talking NYCFC. We're talking the we're talking the US Open Cup. Season season starts Wednesday.